Welcome to the LTC University Podcast, empowering and educating across the great state of South Carolina. Here we go. All right, welcome to the LTC University Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and today we have a very special show, and uh, we have Mara Steedley and also Jordan Watkins. Mara is the training coordinator for the MUSC Elder Abuse Training and Treatment Program at MUSC. And Jordan Watkins is a licensed social worker and also works with Mara. And it is great to have you guys on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you guys really reach out to a population that is very vulnerable that a lot of people don't think about. They kind of go under the radar. You think, oh, yeah, they're, you know, people that are elderly. You don't think about them. You think they're fine. They've, they're, they're wise, and they are. But they can be um, preyed upon, if you will, um, by a lot of different people and, and things that we don't even think about that are abuse. So let's talk about that today and, and kind of talk about what you guys do and how you guys help solve that problem of elder abuse. So, Definitely. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what you do. So the MUSC Elder Abuse Training and Treatment Program is really um, focused in two main areas and just what the name is. So we train healthcare professionals on how to identify and refer cases of elder mistreatment. So we have come into different um, organizations around the low country, hospitals, clinics, home health services, even different community type based work that interact with older adults on a very regular basis on how to identify those risk factors, those signs, those symptoms in an older adult. And then what do I do once I've identified that? So that's really our biggest, um, you know, one of the biggest components of our program. Then the other component of our program is the treatment part. And I'll let Jordan talk a little bit about that as she is really the um, really the leader on that program, yeah, on Jordan, that side you're, of the program. You're a licensed social worker, and that's kind of what, that, where you kind of come in. Yes, so I'm the therapist for the treatment program, and it's it's a really great opportunity for older adults because the biggest question that we get is how much do our services cost, and can you bill my insurance, or do I have to have insurance? And because we are grant-supported, we can offer these services at no charge, and we do not bill insurance because, again, we're grant-supported. So it's a really, really beneficial opportunity for older adults who could use access to supportive counseling but otherwise could not afford it. So what we do is we go out in the community and we meet older adults where they are because transportation is a huge barrier, especially in Charleston, And as you get out into the more rural areas of Dorchester and Berkeley counties, and we go to their homes, we do assessments on what do you need, do you have everything you need, and typically we don't, we don't get a lot of people who come forward and say, you know, I'm an elder abuse victim or I've experienced this kind of mistreatment. So being able to offer that home visit and take the angle of, you know, we're here to help you get what you need. Do you have everything you need? That opens a door for them to say, actually, I don't. I need some help. Things have been going on that I don't understand, and I really need some help and somebody to be there to support me. 
So that's really what the treatment program is all about, is providing that support to them. That's amazing. I think that's it's so needed. So let's let's kind of get into the the basics of this and what constitutes elder abuse. So really it is it's a public health issue. It's a very pressing public health issue as we see the baby boomer generation is the largest population just surpassed by millennials actually. So millennials are the largest population, baby boomers are second. So we're really seeing um, a crisis with them as far as mistreatment. Nationally, we see about one in 10 older adults that have been victim of elder abuse, and that can be financial, which is certainly on the rise with the use of electronics and technology to monitor bank accounts and do all sorts of banking um, through your phone and through online um, platforms. Sexual, unfortunately, which is very underreported, as you can imagine. There is a large shame and stigma surrounding sexual assault physical which is certainly you know another big issue easier to detect but um certainly you know it it can be hidden as well we see emotional abuse which is the most common because it does not leave any scars Mm. it's very unfortunate and that's actually what jordan deals with directly is um a lot of emotional abuse and um, and just neglect, really. And, and really when it comes to the effects of any of those type of assaults, it's a very traumatic event. Yeah. Financial abuse is just as, it can be just as traumatic as sexual abuse. So we are seeing people after the fact come forth with depression, anxiety, PTSD, something that we attribute to veterans, Mm -hmm. is being experienced by these older adults because they're so fearful after that traumatic event. Um, And in South Carolina specifically, we're seeing the prevalence rate higher, of course, around 15%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't think about the financial thing, but you got somebody who's on a fixed income that already doesn't have maybe a ton of money, it doesn't have a ton of retirement money, and then that can get just get zapped and can be gone um, and put them in a really, you know, hard position. Yeah, a lot of times financial abuse um, is coupled with another type of abuse or mistreatment. So they often come in pairs or threes. You know, it's financial abuse is really becoming very common because credit cards are being more heavily relied upon. Um, banking is mostly electronic now. That's that's mostly mm-hmm. how people do things. And some older adults have not learned their way around the electronic way of doing financial transactions and things like that. And so it opens a big opportunity for people to take advantage of an older adult's retirement savings. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're seeing this so much, and research is now really taking a look at this because we need to know how to protect older adults and how to get that information to them because it is so important. Yeah. And I think our culture has changed, you know, where we used to, you just take care of your parents. And a lot of times that's, that's changing. That's why our assisted livings are full of people. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, assisted living is awesome. I love, I, I have a completely different take on assisted living. I, I, 
I'm, I'm good to go to assisted living when I'm older. Um, but I, I even think of my own parents and my mom. I remember she was on the computer one day and she got something that popped up on her computer. And it was basically them saying they're going to lock her out of their computer unless she literally pays a ransom. And she called me. Thank God she called me immediately. And I said, just turn off your computer. Just turn it off. Um, told her what to do. And she was fine. But there's so many people that don't know what to do. Um, and they'll pay the three, four, five hundred thousands of dollars, you know, for that. That is so true. And you're speaking about a huge issue that is just now, you know, getting a- attention from national, you know, the National Center on Elder, Elder Abuse just sent out an email last week. Um, I guess it was two weeks ago about around Valentine's Day about the sweetheart scams and and, and we see it, we hear it all the time. Um, an older adult, man or woman, is convinced that they're dating or going to marry this person from another country, and they're sending the money constantly to help with their, you know, there's just so many ways, and they're getting smarter and smarter in yeah. taking advantage of these people. I mean, there's just, it's remarkable the ways that they're going about, and it just seems so legitimate to that older adult at the time. And then, you know, when they look back maybe two years later and they're, their funds have been drained. They're, they're just, mm-hmm. it's, it's devastating. It is. And you look at a generation, a generation ago who wasn't online as much, but now this generation, the, oh, the boomers yeah. they're are online. They're on a lot. They're the number, I think they're one of the top, you know, groups on Facebook and yes. different things. So it, it's a different, and it's hard to monitor. It's hard to, to track. It's hard to figure out and hard to catch these crooks and these people it that are is. taking advantage um, and that's, man, I'm so glad that you guys are here to help, especially in South Carolina with this. Um, so do you, what's some stories that you guys have had that you've heard, obviously no names, but I'm sure you have gobs of stories that, that you know, where you've been able to help and, and protect these people. It's really hard to think of one. Um, you know, since our treatment program has been up and running since 2017, we've we've seen hundreds of older adults. I mean, hundreds. Um, just recently, you know, we've been working with a family to get protections in place for an older adult, and it's just amazing. You know, there's so much information out there, but people don't know where to go get it and they don't think about needing that information until they're really in a crisis situation so I think probably one of the biggest ones that um, that we've been able to help it sticks out to me because it's just one of those stories that you you hear about and you think there's no way that involves you know sexual assault or physical assault and it's really hard for people to wrap their brains around how that happens to an older adult because we think about abuse as happening to younger people. Yeah. But typically what people don't think about is just because someone turns 60 doesn't mean that abuse stops. If it's happening, it was probably always there. Mm. Yeah, and I think, too, I think a lot of these families, you know, and – we think of it's always an outside person. Yes, it's I was going to say that. probably not. It's always an inside person. Exactly. That is the most surprising thing 
that I learned was it's not these perfect strangers. As much as we want to, you know, think about those sweetheart scams and online scams, it's most likely a friend, a family member, an adult child, a spouse, someone living in the household like a grandchild. It's the people you know and you trust and you love, unfortunately. And that's what makes it even harder because a lot of times that's a barrier to coming forward, knowing that person, not wanting to get them in trouble, not wanting publicity, not wanting to be on Live 5 News tonight. You know, there's just so so many barriers to coming forth when, when it's someone you love. Yeah, and I'm sure that's the number one thing that keeps them from, is they don't want to get that loved one in trouble. And it's, what a tough situation and, um, but they have to be protected. I mean, it's, it's, it has to stop because if you don't stop it there, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep, you know, because their kids are going to see how they treated their parents, their, their grandparents, and it's going to be a cycle that just keeps on going. So I think, you know, you've got to stop it yes. in its tracks if, if possible. Some of the signs to look out for, you know, for <clears throat> somebody else that may be watching this, may see somebody that they maybe they visited an assisted living. That's another thing, too. It's not just at home. It can be in a nursing home. It can be in a in a you know assisted living. It could be anywhere, really. Definitely, and I should note that um, that one in ten older adults, those are community residing older adults. So they're not in a facility. They're in your neighborhood. They're your fellow church member. They're someone you see at the library. They're in the community, um, and so that's really what we focus on. We focus on those community residing older adults, but. We see, um, you know, a variety of symptoms and signs, Uh, you know, as far as physical abuse, you know, there can be a lot of confusion with, say, an older adult that's on warfarin or Coumadin, Coumadin, I don't ever say that right, (laughs) Um, but, you know, the bruising, it, they hit one little side of a dresser and it, you know, it's, it's an explosive bruise. But more likely than not, we're going to see those intentional bruising, bruising on the face, on the back, on the arms where they can easily grab, like the upper arms or the wrist. Yeah. Um, we see it, we see a lot of restraint marks as well, mm-hmm. um, especially with Alzheimer's patients. They have a tendency to wander, so we see restraint marks, ligature marks, you know, inappropriate restraint. Um, As far as sexual abuse, we see, you know, STDs, um, bruising around the thighs. We see um, incontinence, you know, that can be a sign of fear, um, unfortunately. Um, With financial abuse, we see people who have always been able to provide for themselves and all of a sudden they're not able to stock their fridge or whoever is in charge of doing that for them, going to the grocery store, they're not doing that anymore. Or they're controlling that, you know, that portion of their life, their food that, you know. Um, We see with neglect, you know, going into an older adult's home, why don't you have a a ramp to get up these stairs? You're confined only to this certain room because you can't move about freely in your home safely. Hmm. You know, rails, canes, needed medical aids, hearing aids, glasses, wheelchair why don't they have that kind of stuff you know who's in charge of getting that for them yeah there's so many different things and you just don't even think about and i think even like the people working with somebody who who's a caregiver for somebody with alzheimer's 
a lot of times they probably think they're doing the right thing by restraining them. They probably think it's probably a lot of times it could even be innocent. Oh, um, yeah. That they just don't know better. Definitely. So, And in those cases, it's as simple as picking up the phone, calling the local area agency on aging and saying, hey, I need resources. I need help. I'm no longer able to take care of my mom or my aunt or my grandma that is, you know, really suffering and she's really taken a turn and it can be quick with dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, Mm -hmm. progression can really escalate quickly and it gets out of control before you can really take a hold of the situation. So definitely just reach out um, to your local agency on aging. Um, there's there's so many resources in the Tri-County area for those um, kind of cases. Yeah, and there's support groups. Yes. Because it is extremely hard for a caregiver. It is, is extremely hard. It's, you know, you're answering the same question over and over again with somebody with Alzheimer's. You're, an, you know, you're dealing with the same thing every single day, and it can get really hard. Mm-hmm. But there are resources. There is help if they'll just reach out. Yes. For sure. You know, we automatically go to the you know, the extreme, you know, and those are, those are there and we've got to fix that. So what, when you, when you've discovered and you've, you know, went into a home, you've, you know, made an assessment, what's the next steps? What's, what's a kind of the typical next steps to that? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I go into a home, I'm looking for are there signs that you know their clothes are dirty? Have they bathed? Do they have food? Um, does it look like there's stuff that needs to be picked up because it's a safety hazard, a fall risk? Um, and I want to identify: is there somebody who needs to be helping you with this? And if so, where are they? And you know, do you do you want me to get in touch with them, or is that something that? you know, you don't feel comfortable with. So really the first thing that I try to do when I go into somebody's home to do an assessment is to try to build the trust because I don't, I don't always know if something is going to come out while I'm there or not. But certainly if they don't feel like they can trust me to take the information and do something helpful with it, they're not going to tell me. So one of the best questions that we tell people in our trainings to ask if they're talking with an older adult that they suspect something is off, just ask them, are you okay? Hmm. Leave it open. Give them the opportunity to come back to you later and Mm -hmm. say, well, if you need help with something, I'm here. And a lot of people, they may not want to do that because they think, well, if they say, no, they're not okay, what do I do with that? And this is kind of where we do a lot of education because Adult Protective Services can get kind of a bad rap sometimes because in South Carolina, their hands are very much tied by the law. They can only only intervene in cases where the adult is vulnerable. So they have to have a cognitive and or physical impairment that would make them dependent on someone else. So in cases where we may have to make an APS report, you know, I would explain to the families, listen, this isn't necessarily a situation where they're come they're gonna come and take the older adult out of their home. They want them to stay there. Yeah. But they can get you in touch with resources that can be helpful to you. Yeah. 
And that's that's really what we're trying to do is give them the helpful resources. Right, and and that's those a lot of those resources are there. People just don't know about them. I remember my grandfather, he was he's he was in that you know he was actually in World War Two. It's from that generation where they're they're very tough. They're very yes. independent. He was not gonna live with anybody else. He refused. He had worked for his home. He paid off his home. He was gonna live at home as long as possible. And, and there were resources that we could actually help that. Now, luckily for, for him, my, my parents were only four houses down. His son was, you know, just around the corner. We had a family structure that was there that let him to be able to do that. And then people, you know, towards the end there, they were actually able to go and spend the night with him. And, you know, and they would rotate. And if he was a veteran, you know, that's a whole other host yeah. of resources that he could tap into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there were there were some resources. We've they found a resource where somebody came and helped clean his house, you know, and and helped pick up things. And and the, and what was so great about that too is he built relationships with those people too. Like they became almost like family. They were at the funeral. They were at the you know you know when he finally passed and. So there are more things out there than people realize. They just have to take advantage and do a little bit of research. And how can people find you guys? What, what you know, somebody that's going to be listening to this, how can they get a hold of you guys to, to kind of see, you know, seek some help? So we encourage people to give us a call directly. You can either call me, Mara, I'm the training coordinator, but I also connect people with resources. I'm at 843 843- seven nine two zero seven nine six and then if someone is right for the treatment program like we said they're experiencing those effects of that abuse depression ptsd anxiety we will refer them to jordan Um, and jordan's direct um, cell phone number actually is eight four three seven nine zero four five seven three and she um, can actually help with, you know, screening that patient with intake, with responding to their home, and really just, you know, that direct contact is so important, especially, you know, for older adults. They want to see a face. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can help the family get some resources, and we can also directly help that older adult with some of that psychological counseling. Mm-hmm. We also have a treatment coordinator, Gabrielle Fruk, and, um, you know, if Mara or myself are not available, Gabrielle can, is absolutely able to do the intake and get the information so that if they are right for treatment, I can call them back and establish the first appointment. And her phone number is 843-792-2910. Awesome. And we'll put that in the notes on our uh, podcast feed. So people can get a hold of them and and uh, take advantage of this. So tell me about the grant that you guys have that you're able to do this incredible work. So our program director, Dr. Melba Hernandez Tejada, and our clinical supervisor, Dr. Rana Turno, they have been doing work with elder mistreatment for a long time. And they actually applied for this grant through the Department of Justice, and then it's handed down to the state through the Office of Attorney General. And um, it's actually a Victims of Crime Act grant. So um, that is actually what we're funded by. So all of our services are completely free. So resources, our training, our treatment is totally free. Yeah. And I think, too, um, you guys are available to work with other medical and, and different organizations. I know you came to SC House Calls 
who we work with, um, and you did an entire in-service for the staff. How can how can people take advantage of that, and what's that like? Definitely. So that training is available at no cost. We actually recently just got certified to offer certified medical education credits. So if you are a medical professional, an MD, a DO, an RN, or any other kind of health professional, and you need those continuing education credits, we actually can provide those um, through our continuing medical education office here at MUSC. Um, If you're on MUSC campus, you can actually take that training online through uh, our our online platform called MyQuest. and that's totally free. The CME is free if you're an MUSC provider. If you're an outside provider, you can also take it online through our CME platform as well. Um, and you know, once a year, you can go and print out your transcript for a $25 fee. Um, but that's very minimal if you consider, you know, the grand scheme of CMEs and CEUs. You know, they can get expensive. So it's a very, very great price. And the training online takes about 45 minutes in person an hour yeah awesome and i've been through that and it was very informative um it's it was a great training and really opened my eyes to a lot of this that's why i was like hey let's do a podcast that's great to hear uh, get this information (laughs) out people need to know more and more about what you guys do and the work that you're doing and it is amazing thank you so much i know it's meaningful work but i also know it's hard work it's it's tough when you go into these homes and you see you know it's it's mentally draining and it's very uh, it's burdensome sometimes but thank god that you guys are doing this work thank god you guys are, are serving our community and we really appreciate you and uh, want to support as much as possible so thanks for being on the uh, ltc university podcast well thank you we appreciate you supporting us and just raising awareness and getting the message out that's that's what we aim to do so we really appreciate you having us cool absolutely <laughs> yeah. thanks for being here Thank you so much, Mara and Jordan, for what you do and your entire team that provide safety and provide protection for our senior population. And here's the deal. We all have a responsibility to protect and serve the marginalized. And I think our senior population, a lot of times they're vulnerable and they are part of that marginalized group and we need to protect them. We need to provide safety, safe spaces, we need to look out for them, every single one of us. Because here's the deal. They took care of us. They took care of us. And we need to take care of them. And I think it's not that hard. It's just a matter of paying attention. And then when we see something, doing the proper job of reporting that. And using contacts like Mara and Jordan to help provide that for these seniors. It is March, and not only is it March Madness, but guess what March is? March is Social Worker Month. These incredible people that give their lives to serve our communities every single day in some of the most difficult situations that they step into and bring peace into chaos. And we wanna celebrate them. LTC University is having a drive-in symposium for social workers where they can receive up to five CEU credits. And you're going to get lunch that day for only $50. We are so excited about this. We need you to get registered, get out there. You can go to ltchs.com forward slash LTCU. 
and get out there, get registered. We have all kinds of different topics that day. You're going to be hearing from five different communicators. We're going to have topics like homeless and the elderly, Medicaid for skilled nursing and hospice, finding your work-life zen, and so much more. And we want to have a special day just for you. So go out, get registered. You won't regret it. So it's going to be in Columbia at 1626 on Main. You don't want to miss it. Thanks so much for listening today, and we hope you have a fantastic day. Have a good one.